Well, it is awfully good, awfully good to be with you this morning. And uh, I've said to a few of you already this morning, this just doesn't feel like my first Sunday. <laughs> but I know it is. It's the official first Sunday. And I, and really, uh, Barbie and I are just so uh, excited and happy and, and pleased to be here and, and to be a part of uh, First Church family now. And... Um, you guys have already made us feel a part of the family already, and we appreciate that. Uh, we, we love you and uh, look forward to getting to know all of you more and better and loving you more and loving you better, and uh, it'll just be, a, I, I think, just a wonderful journey, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, um, <clears throat> the last time I was here, and um, I don't, I don't know if um, Alan and Christina, they're they're not maybe here today or wherever they are. I want to say thank you to Alan. He did a great job last week. Um, we watched, and it was it was a great service, and appreciate how he filled in and, and the message that he brought forth. It was good, very good message. But the last time I was here and preached, uh, we talked about. Paul and Silas, remember? Uh, those of you who are here, or those of you who watched online, Paul and Silas, and them being in jail in the inner prison, and how in the inner prison they were, they were doing what? They were complaining? No. <laughs> no. No, they were in the inner prison, and they were praising God, weren't they? And they were singing his praises, and they were praying, and they were really just kind of testifying and witnessing to all those that were there, uh, whether it was fellow prisoners or whether it was the guard or whoever the case may be. And we, we really kind of got to see how it's important for us in the midst of a difficult time to continue to praise God. Amen. And uh, that's important. It's not easy. Let's not like make it sound like it's easy. It's not easy, right? But it certainly is the right thing to do, especially if we can focus on how good God has been to us and how good God is to us that we can still praise him regardless of what's going on in our lives. Amen? So today, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of stick in with the theme. Uh, in fact, uh, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about lessons from the storms. All right? Lessons from the storms. We're just going to go through some of the storms that we see in the Bible and just kind of see what kind of lessons we can learn in those times. And uh, because, um, raise your hand if you've, uh, if you've been in a storm, if you're in a storm, or you believe you're probably going to be in a storm at some time. <laughs> I hope all of you raise your hand because we're definitely going to be there. If we're not there right now, or if we haven't been there, we're going to be there. Uh, so uh, today we're going to talk about, we're sticking with Paul, and we're going to talk about a storm that he was in that led to a shipwreck. Okay, a storm that led to a shipwreck, and uh, I hope that uh, you'll find that to be interesting. Before we get into that, though, I just want to kind of talk about Paul a little bit. Paul was an interesting guy, wasn't he? Uh, very interesting guy, and here's the thing about Paul. Paul went through a whole lot of storms, uh, you know, literal storms, 
as well as just uh, storms of life. Storm, and that's really what we're kind of relating it to, is the storms of life that we are in or that we go through. But he went through a lot of storms. And actually, if you want to know uh, about Paul and some of the storms that he went through, uh, there's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 24, Paul kind of lists some things. He kind of lists some things that he had been through. And this is what he says. He says, Five times I received 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Okay, five times I received 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. So 39 lashes uh, from the Jews. He says, three times uh, I was beaten with rods. Beaten with rods. And says, uh, and, and remember when we talked about him last time that I was here, uh, before he was thrown into the inner prison, they beat him with rods. So that was probably one of those times. But three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning, and most people that got stoned died, but Paul lived through it. Um, not sure I'd want to live through a stoning. <laughs> I think you'd be in pretty bad pain when you got, got finished with that one. But uh, uh, once I received a stoning, three times I was shipwrecked. Uh, he said, I faced dangers from rivers, robbers, uh, my own people, Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. He said, I had sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, and without clothing. And so, when you think of Paul, when you, when you see Paul in his life, what you realize when you read about Paul is you realize that Paul has some credibility when talking about storms. He has some credibility when talking about some difficulty in life. And so you never want to hear uh, someone talk about how to handle difficulty if they've never been through difficulty, right? But Paul, Paul, we can listen to him because Paul's been through some difficulty. In fact, he's been through some things that none of us most likely will go through, like stoning. Really hope none of us do have to go through something like that. But really, he, he has some credibility. So when Paul talks about uh, a, a storm of life, a difficulty of life, our ears need to kind of perk up and listen to him and say, what can we learn from this guy? Because he's been through it, and he kind of knows about it, okay? So, uh, so check this out. We're going to read from uh, uh, Acts chapter 27. And uh, before we really get into reading there, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you stand with me when we read that, but uh, before we do that, I just want to give you some background, because if we read really kind of the whole story of what was going on here, we'd have to start in Acts 21, and just read 21, and 22, and 23, and 24, 25, 26, 27, it, we would be here for a while. And uh, I'm just going to count on you guys to read that for yourselves, okay? And I encourage you to do that. I, I really do encourage you to do that because it's fascinating. It is fascinating what Paul went through. But I'm just going to kind of give you some background before we begin to read. Uh, Paul was arrested. And when he was arrested, he was arrested basically. I'm just going to uh, boil it down for you. He was arrested basically because he was uh, preaching the gospel. 
He was talking about the Lord Jesus. He was telling people about the redemption in Jesus, uh, uh, saved by grace through faith. He was helping them understand that salvation came through grace and faith and not of works. And he was helping people to understand these things. And what people began to think is, you know what, he is talking against the law. And that, that made them mad. That really ticked them off. And so they decided, and a lot of times, like when we get ticked off with people, we just ignore them, right? They didn't ignore him. They decided they were going to arrest him. You know, they, they, they talk about an overreaction, but that's what they did. I mean, they overreacted. They said, you know what, this guy is saying things against the law, and we love the law, and so we want him to be arrested. We want him to be put in jail. And so they had him arrested. And he was in a place called Caesarea. And so they had him arrested, and, uh, and, and, and he went before a guy named Felix. And as he was before Felix, he kind of gave his appeal, and Felix kind of heard him out. And Felix thought, you know what, this guy doesn't deserve to be arrested. He doesn't deserve to be in jail. He doesn't deserve, you know, all this. But he realized, Felix realized that if he released Paul, that the ones who had him arrested were going to kill him. And so kind of as a thing of protection, Felix kind of kept him in custody. And then Felix's time kind of ran out. And then he saw a guy uh, and, and made his appeal uh, to a guy named Festus. Now, this wasn't Festus from Gunsmoke. Some of you younger ones have no idea what I'm talking about there. It's an old Western show that used to be on for many years. But... Um, so he made his appeal to Festus, and Festus kind of felt the same way. And so every time Paul made his appeal to these uh, governors and these, these people of, in position, these people in position thought, this guy does not deserve to be arrested. He doesn't deserve to be in jail. He certainly doesn't deserve to die for what's going on. But they kept him in jail, and they kept him in custody. And so he, he ended up seeing a guy named King Agrippa and Bernice. And so, you know, and all this was going on. And finally, he makes his appeal. Paul makes his appeal to go to Rome and make his appeal to Caesar. Okay. And so they want, they, they grant him that. And they decide to transport him from Caesarea to Rome. Now. How do you get from Caesarea to Rome? By boat, right? You got to take a boat. I'm sure you could go up and around, but it would take forever. So they take a ship. And so this is where we're picking it up. He's on a ship on his way as a, a prisoner. He's on his way on a boat to Rome to make his appeal to Caesar. That's where we're at when we pick up the scripture here in verse uh, 13. So will you stand with me? We'll read this together. And like I said, I'm just reading a portion of this. You got to read more, okay? So I, I'm encouraging you to read more of this. So you think, uh, I just never know where to read in the Bible. Well, I'm telling you, read some of this, okay? Read Acts uh, chapter 21 through the rest of the, of the book, and you'll find it really fascinating and amazing. All right, so it says, when a gentle south wind sprang up, they thought they had achieved their purpose. They weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But before long, a fierce wind called a nor'easter, we have some of those here in Ohio, right? They usually result in many inches of snow. 
rushed down from the island. Since the ship was caught and unable to head into the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. After running under the shelter of a little island called Kauda, we were barely able to get control of the skiff. After hoisting it up, they used ropes and tackle and girded the ship, fearing they would run aground on the Sirtis. They lowered the drift anchor, and in this way, they were driven along. Because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. For many days, after, uh, neither sun nor stars appeared, and the severe storm kept raging. Finally, all hope was fading that we would be saved. Since they had been without food for a long time, Paul then stood up among them and said, You men should have followed my advice not to sail from Crete and sustain this damage and loss. Don't you just love it when somebody says, I told you so. <laughs> That's what Paul was doing here. I told you so. Now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives but only of the ship. For last night, an angel of the God I belong to. Don't you just love that? Come on. You love that? I love that. The angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because I believe God that it will be just the way it was told to me. But we have to run aground on some island. <laughs> wow. Thank you for standing with me. Maybe see. Paul faced a violent storm. Does that help you? Let me explain what I mean by that. What I mean by that question, does that help you, is that uh, a lot of times we're in the midst of a storm, we may think that God has forgotten us. We may think that God doesn't care about us, that we really don't matter to God, that we're really not significant enough to God. But this is Paul. This is the man who wrote the majority of the New Testament. <laughs> I mean, he wrote the majority of the books of the New Testament. If you count the words, it's probably not the case. But, but he wrote the majority of the words of the, of the New Testament, or the, the, the chapters or the books of the New Testament. I mean, he had a huge impact on the church, the kingdom of God. His impact on the kingdom and the gospel was huge. He was probably the most influential individual in the days of the early church, there is no doubt that God cared for Paul, right? There is no doubt that God was, was looking upon Paul as a faithful servant, as someone who would always do the things that God laid out before him to do. He, he, Paul was, was faithful. He was committed. He was always doing what God wanted. He was praying, God, lead me in this. Do, you know, do your work through me. I, I just want to glorify you. Paul was humble, and he, and he cared about what God's message was all about. He, he was just, he was totally committed to God. And yet he was in this storm. 
And so we face violent storms in life. We, we go through really difficult times in life, and it doesn't mean that God has forgotten us. He didn't forget Paul. It doesn't mean that God doesn't care about us. God cared about Paul. It doesn't mean that God is unaware of what's happening in our life. He was completely aware that Paul was in this storm. And he's completely aware that you're in your storm. And, he's, uh, and he cares about your storm. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about all the things that you're dealing with in life. He, God really, truly cares about you. And, and I believe that one thing that, we can, uh, that helps us to, to deal with some of the storms that we have in life and some of the difficulties that we have in life is that when we look at the people who are obviously being used in the word of God for God's purposes and, and God has, has touched them and anointed them and helped them and blessed them, we see they're all going through things, aren't they? Does the Bible paint a picture of, of, of a bed of roses for the people who are following him? It doesn't, does it? It helps us to see that even God's uh, elect, even God's people are going to go through difficult times. We're going to deal with hardship. And so I hope that helps. I hope when you see that, that it helps you and you think, you know what? This difficulty that I'm going through, it doesn't mean that God has turned his back on me. It doesn't mean that God has given up on me. It doesn't mean that God's unaware of what's happening in my life. God knows all of that and he's still present in my life even if I can't sense that presence. Because sometimes we can't, right? So in verse 15... It said that those on the ship gave way to the storm and let themselves be driven along. <laughs> I think that's pretty, uh, a pretty graphic way of, of understanding, you know, kind of what happens sometimes in our storms. Have you ever been in such a difficult storm of life that you just didn't have the strength to fight it? You just didn't have the strength to, to fight it. You didn't think that you could get through it. You felt like it just, the storm, the difficulty, whatever it was, just kind of carried you along and you were kind of subject to its power. You were kind of subject to whatever it was going to do to you. You felt like uh, it was taking you off course and whatever difficulty it was, it was just kind of having its way with you. In the last 19 months, um, I felt like I was in a storm. And, and really, to be probably most accurate, the last six months has been pretty nice. <laughs> it's, it's been pretty calm. It's been pretty good. There's been a lot of blessing. There's been, it's, it's, been, it's felt like God's been bringing, bringing it down to a direction. But I want to tell you that first 12 months after I resigned from the Barberton Church of God, man, I was in it. I was, I was in it. I was, I was absolutely in it. It, it, it was like, um, it was like I, w I was feeling like I was being manhandled by my circumstances. I mean, I, I was in a position where all of a sudden, you know, I'd been pastoring for 20 years and all of a sudden, I'm in a position where I'm doing data entry. 
And I want to tell you, I was, I was clueless. I was lost. Now, I figured out how to do data entry. But what I mean when I, was, when I said well, I was lost, I, didn't, I thought, what am I doing? What am I doing? And I was confused. You know, God, where, where is, where's my life heading here? I don't know what's going on. You know, and, and, and I'm just going to be... <laughs> I'm just going to be real honest with you guys. Um, (laughs) All my friends were the people in the Barberton Church. (laughs) And all of a sudden, they were out of my life. And I started a job during COVID. You know what that's like? So I'm in a cubicle all day with guards all around. And anytime I'd get up from that cubicle, I had to put a mask on. I, and I couldn't get to know anybody at work. It was just, it, my, I felt like my life was just like, what is going on here? I had no clue what was happening. And it just felt like the circumstance of life was just rolling me around. You guys ever been like in the ocean and like had a wave hit you? And been knocked off your feet? How's that feel? Yeah, right. You're just flailing around, right? You're on the bottom and you're like doing rolls and sand's going in your mouth and salt water and all that stuff. That's how I felt like life was treating me. That's exactly how I felt like life was treating me for those, those 12 months, really. Maybe 11. <laughs> A difficult storm in life can roll you over, it can drag you along the bottom, it can disorient you, it can fill your mouth with salt water and make you choke. And what I mean by that is it it leaves bitterness, bitterness there in your mouth. And sometimes it just doesn't feel like you have any control anymore. And we do not like that feeling. Right? You been there? Yeah? This is what was happening with Paul and the others. and They couldn't do a thing about their circumstances, so they gave way to the storm. They couldn't do anything. They, the, the storm was having its way. They, there was nothing they could do. They just gave way to the storm. It's like, okay, the storm's going to take us wherever it takes us. And they just gave way to the storm. And that's how we feel sometimes. Then we see in the scripture, uh, I think uh, it's in... Um, I was reaching for my glasses up here. My glasses are right here. Don't judge me. All right. Verse 18 and 19. It says, because we were being severely battered by the storm, they began to jettison the cargo the next day. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. With their own hands. And I want to tell you that that's the temptation in the storm. We start throwing things out of our life. 
Now, that can be good if you throw the right things out of your life. <laughs> if you throw things out of your life that's keeping you from God or hindering you hearing from God or, or causing you to go the wrong direction that God doesn't want you to go, that's good if you're throwing those kind of things out of life. But a lot of times, that's not the kind of things that we end up throwing out of our life. A lot of times when people are going through a difficult time, they start throwing things out of their life that they actually need to sustain them. Just by observation, okay? People are going through a storm and they stop coming to church. Like I said, when, when, we, uh, when we left Barberton, so, um, let's see, when I left Barberton, I was, uh, I was 50, 50 years old. So, 50 years old, and it was the first time that I didn't feel like I had a church. I didn't feel like I had a church. We didn't feel like we had a church. I mean, I can still remember, because right when we left there, COVID had just spiked again. And so a lot of people, uh, again, went back to, you know, just, just video, just online. And so for the first uh, few weeks after we left, we just did online church. And we watched like three or four, you know. We're like watching three or four services every Sunday. It's like, wow, we're doing like a lot of church, you know. And so, but, but then when the time came and, and it was time that we could actually go back in person, we had to find a church See, we were going through a storm. We were going through a difficult time in life, and we knew we needed God's people around us. And so we went to a few churches, and we, and we landed there at East Canton. And I want to tell you what a time that was for us. Because in the midst of the storm and how things were howling and things were crazy, there was some stability then when we would go to church <laughs> There was some stability then. There was something that we could grasp onto. There was an anchor in the storm there. And we found ourselves in a church where worshiping, uh, people were worshiping and we were worshiping with others. And, and, and after church, people were coming up to us and who are you? And they wanted to know our names and they wanted to know about us and they were encouraging us and, and, and just feeding into us and helping us to stay encouraged and strong. I want to tell you, when you're going through a storm, you need the church. Don't throw the church out. Don't jettison the church. <laughs> you got to keep going to church. But people stop going to church. They throw out reading their Bible. They throw out praying. And, and I love one of the things that Alan said last week. We have got to be people that read the word. We have got to be people that study the word of God. That is so important. We have got to stay in the word of God, and especially when we're in a storm. Don't forsake the scriptures in those times. Dig in more. Dig in further. Again, church is an anchor. The word is an anchor. Prayer is an anchor. Meditating upon God is an anchor. These are all anchors that will help us stay stable in the midst of the storm of life. Amen? Just like the crew of the ship, people start chucking things out of their life that they actually need for the storm. But it doesn't stop there. 
It doesn't stop there because also during the storm, people bring things into their life like it's a life preserver when in actuality, it's just the opposite. So what I'm talking about is that people begin to bring in things to their life. They turn to alcohol. They turn to drugs. They turn to pornography. They turn to food. There's a lot of different things that people turn to, right, as something that's going to help them in the storm. And what does it do? It actually hurts them. It actually hinders them. It actually causes them to be spun around more and rolled on the bottom even more, right? And so we've got to make sure that we are uh, anchoring ourselves with the right things, not jettisoning those things, and definitely not bringing things in that will make it worse. That will make it worse. Don't turn to things that will destroy your life. Turn to things that will preserve your life and strengthen your faith. Well, as you can imagine, Paul is our example in all this. We've been talking about the crew. The crew was, was the ones that were panicking and and, uh, and jettisoning the, the cargo and jettisoning things out of the, the, the ship. And, and the, they were the ones that, um, you know, I, I think we had lost hope and were just letting them be driven along. But Paul is our example in this storm. And it's obvious as we read this that Paul is spending time with God. Look at verse 22. Uh, verse 22, it says... And we'll read a, a few verses here. Um, he says, now I urge you to take courage. This is Paul. And he's saying, now I urge you to take courage because there will be no loss of any of your lives, but only of the ship. For last night, and here's that part that, that I just loved. And when, when I read it, I actually got goosebumps uh, because it, it did that to me. For last night, an angel of the God I belong to and serve stood by me. And said, don't be afraid, Paul. It is necessary for you to appear before Caesar. And indeed, God has graciously given you all those who are sailing with you. So take courage, men, because, what's he say there? I believe God. Right? I believe God. I don't believe the storm. I don't believe that, it's, that, that we need to panic. I don't believe we need to be in fear here and do, do all these crazy uh, things that, 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 that panicking people do. I believe God. I believe that God's going to take care of us. I believe God, that it will be just the way it was told to me, but we have to run aground on some island. <laughs> this is amazing confidence in God, right? I mean, you're on a ship. It's been days, raging storm. The ship seems to be starting to break apart, take on water, whatever the case may be. And Paul stands up and says, listen, we're all going to be okay. We're all going to be okay. I believe God. The God I belong to told me this. <laughs> and I trust him. I believe him. What else did he say? But we're going to be shipwrecked. <laughs> right? That last part doesn't sound like good news, right? 
But despite the raging storm, Paul is spending time with God. He's, he's listening for God's voice. He's meditating on God's providence. And he's hearing from God and, and comes up to tell the crew that God has spoken to him, that God has helped him to understand what the truth is in this, in this matter, in this time. And he's saying, don't worry. Listen, you're all going to be saved. You're all going to be okay. There's 276 of them. And he's like, you're all going to be okay. Not one person is going to be lost out of 276. But we are going to be shipwrecked. I want to tell you this morning that sometimes, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying sometimes, no matter how hard we pray, the answer is going to be that we're going to be shipwrecked. Okay? Now, without God, that would be scary. But you're not without God. Okay? Our storm will result in a shipwreck, but God will be with us. God has a plan for the storm and the shipwreck. God has a purpose for the storm and the shipwreck. <laughs> and, and, and I really believe, I, I truly believe this because Paul was not superhuman. He wasn't some kind of superhero that had like uh, special powers or anything like that. He was just like us. So he had the same kind of fears, the same kind of anxiety, the same kind of anxious moments. He, he dealt with the same things that we deal with when we're going through storms, when we're going through difficulty in life. So I believe that there were times in this whole ordeal that Paul prayed, God, stop the storm. You know, get us out of this storm. Help us to, to get out of Calm the storm. Touch the turbulent times. Rebuke the wind. Make the devil flee. You know, take this... Um, Take this time of my life and, and when there's uh, too, much, too much month for the money, you know, <laughs> and, and Lord provide or, or, you know, help me with this job. Or, you know, there's a lot of things that we pray about. God, end this pandemic, you know. I mean, there's a lot of things that we prayed about, right, and that we've prayed about and that we do pray about. And just like the time that, uh, that God said to Paul, you know, Paul was like, he had this, this what he called this thorn in the flesh. And he prayed, God, take that away. God said, no. And Paul had this thorn in the flesh, and he, said, and he prayed, God, take that away. God said, no. Paul had this thorn in the flesh, and Paul prayed, God, take that away. And God said, no, but my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah? My power is going to be manifested in your weakness. God's going to do something in the storm. If you just keep your eyes on him, if you just remain faithful to him, Now, why would God give the answer, you're going to be saved, you're going to be okay, but you're going to have the shipwreck? 
Why would it have to result in a shipwreck? Because God had a plan that Paul couldn't see. Do you believe that God has a plan sometimes in your life that you can't see? I am standing here today as evidence of that. I had no idea this could happen. None. Zero. I had no idea this could happen. And I'm telling you, when Doug called that day and said, hey, would you mind like uh, filling in and, and being a, you know, someone that will fill the pulpit each week? I was like, sure, yeah, I, I love to preach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And I came here not having a clue that this could be what it is now today. God has plans. God has purposes. God has, has dreams that we can't see, we can't imagine. I'm telling you, it's true. So why would the ship have to wreck? Because God had one of those plans. How could any good come out of a shipwreck? How does any good come out of the difficulty that we go through in life? I mean, what kind of good can come out of the difficult storm in your life right now, today? Well, first of all, don't you think that Paul's faith in God was a witness to the ship's passengers? <laughs> so these people who were on this ship with him that were also going to experience this shipwreck, they were able, they were privileged to see Paul's faith in action. And I want to tell you that in your storm, there are people around you that they are privileged to see your faith in action. They are privileged to see what it's like for you to have faith in the midst of your storm. And their lives will be changed because of the way that you exhibit that faith in your storm. When we handle our storms with faith, it is one of the greatest times of witnesses of witnessing for Jesus. So that's, that's definitely uh, first of all. But secondly, sometimes our storm takes us to a place we would never go without it. Did you hear that? Our storm takes us to a place we would never go without the storm. <laughs> So if you flip over one, one page, they are shipwrecked, just exactly the way God told Paul it was going to happen and, and Paul told the crew it was going to happen. They're shipwrecked. 276, all safe. They end up on an island. The island's called Malta. They get shipwrecked on the island of Malta, okay? And so here's what happens on the island of Malta. I'm going to read from, uh, there I go again, uh, I'm going to read from Verses 7 through 10 it says, Now in the area around that place was an estate belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Publius's father was in bed suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to him and praying and laying his hands on him, he healed him. After this, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. So they heaped many honors on us, and when we sailed, they gave us what we needed. And so we read that, and so on the island where the shipwrecked, Paul did ministry that otherwise, without the shipwreck, he never would have had the opportunity to do. Isn't this good? 
Isn't Isn't it good to realize that in the midst of your storm and in the midst of your shipwreck, that God still has a plan and a purpose? That God's doing something behind the scenes that you can't see. And actually, it's something really good and something that you're going to be, you're going to look at and say, wow, I can't believe God did this. You know? When God sidetracks us, don't miss the opportunity to do ministry wherever God's sidetracking takes you. Storms of life cause us to go places that we never would have gone if it hadn't been for the storm. We meet people that we never would have met if we didn't go through the storm. The storm God is allowing you to go through has, has his hand upon it, okay, because he can control the storms, right? And we're, we're actually going to talk about another storm in the weeks coming that uh, he just tells the storm what to do. So he's in control of the storm. He has his hand on your storm. Whatever it is, whatever difficulty you're going through, he has his hand on it. Okay? So so God is allowing, uh, the, the storm God is allowing you to go through has his hand upon it. There are people in your path in the midst of your storm that God wants you to minister to. Yes, God wanted Paul to stand before Caesar. God told Paul that. Uh, Paul... Listen, you're all going to make it. You're going to make it. You're, gonna, you're going through this storm. Your ship's going to wreck. You're going to be uh, shipwrecked on an island. But I want you to appeal before Caesar. I want you to appear before Caesar. God told him that much. But did you check? Did you see that, that God didn't tell him like the whole story? God didn't say, oh, by the way, Paul, you're going to end up on Malta where you're going to meet Publius and you're going to heal his father and then you're going to heal many others and these other people are going to see the power of mine as you minister to them and as you help them to see. God didn't give him the whole picture and God doesn't give us the whole picture, but we can trust God. Amen? And Paul was Paul was ready as we need to be ready. Amen? So, end with a couple questions here. Who are the people who will receive a witness for Jesus by the way that you're exercising your faith in your storm? Who are those people? Okay? And then, second question. There's going to be three. Where is your island of Malta where God is leading you to minister? Okay. Because, you know, he's probably going to take you someplace that you didn't expect. And that's okay. He's with you. Right? And there is going to be a place and a person or a people that are going to be in that storm with you or in the island that you actually then find safe haven that you're going to have the opportunity to bring Jesus to. All right? Isn't that fantastic? So whatever storm you're going through in life, God will use it for good. God will use it for good. You can trust him. You can be just like Paul and say, I believe God. We're going to be in this storm. We're going to have shipwreck. 
but I believe God. I trust him. Don't look at the storm as a curse, but as an opportunity to represent Jesus to the people who are also in the storm. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we, we come to you this morning and God, what a, what a time of worship that we've had here today, and it's been so good. And Lord, as we have read about what happened with Paul, your servant, we thank you, Lord, for his example and for the way that he showed us uh, a good example of how to handle the difficulty of life. Lord, he, he stayed anchored in you. He stayed anchored in you. He continued to be um, in your, your word, meditating upon you, uh, spending time with you, Lord, hearing from you. And Lord, we thank you for the way that he showed us the anchors that we need in our life. But Lord, also, he showed that when you gave him an understanding that there was a, a purpose, there was a reason for the storm and that, that he could trust you. Lord, his faith mounted up and he believed and he, he said, I believe God. I believe that God has a reason. God has a purpose. God's going to take care of us. And Lord, we need that today. Lord, there's some here today that are going through a difficult time in life and they need to believe that you're right there with them, that you have a purpose, that you have a plan, that you're going to help them, that you're going you're to be the wind beneath their wings as they, as they go forth in your name. Lord, as, as they go through this storm and as they maybe meet a new person or get in a new situation, that the reason that they're there is you have them there. You have appointed them to be in that place at this moment in time in life. And they, are a very, um, they have a very special purpose. They are called by you to be your witnesses in that place. Lord, to stand strong for you and do ministry. And so, Lord, I, I pray that if there's anyone here today that's in the midst of a storm, that they will, they will have the kind of faith and, and trust in you, that they will realize, Lord, that you, you have them right where they, you want them, and that you're going to help them, and that you're going you're to empower them with your Holy Spirit, and you're going to help them to do great things and minister for you and, and tell people about you and share their faith. And maybe even just say a prayer for someone who's maybe dealing with the same kind of thing. There's a lot of different ways, Lord, that we can make an impact in the people around us and the people that are with us and going through difficult times. And Lord, may we all be your representatives in the storm that we're in, in the difficult time that we are, that we are in today. That people will see you through us They'll experience you, Lord, through us. And we will be the witnesses that you have called us to be. Lord, we're going we're gonna to say this morning that we're not going to look at this storm, this difficulty, as a curse, but as an opportunity to be ambassadors for Jesus. Help us to do just that, we pray. And we thank you in your name. Amen.